Um, this is, it, this is I don't know, 12th, 13th, 14th fast week. Um, and it never ceases to amaze me how God moves. Because pastor asked me Saturday, he was on a kind of maybe on Saturday. And then it kind of became, well, yeah, plan on it. And then son, last night he sent me a text and said, okay, this is your time. So, but for Lewis to be late and then late asked, and then for me to be asked on, on Saturday and for, while I'm not talking about desperation, he talked about fear. He talked about uh, being ashamed. He talked about being paralyzed. He talked about covering up. And the title of my um, topic today is coming out from behind the tree, overcoming shame and fear as we move towards God. And if we'll all just go to uh, Genesis 3, 7, I'll start on 7. We know about the fall of man. We've all heard this. We all um, are very familiar with this, but I'm going to read through this, and I'll talk a little bit more. But verse 7 in Genesis 3 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Okay? They were aware, and they had become ashamed. Verse 8 and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And that's when the fear set in. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And... It's interesting because this topic had come to me a while back uh, as something uh, potentially for guy talk um, because I know what shame and fear can do to us as males. But when Pastor asked me the, um, on Saturday, there were several topics going through my head. But this is the one that it kept coming back to. And even today as I was thinking maybe I need to change it at the last minute, I kept coming back to um, this, and I said, well, he's talking about humility, so if he's talking about humility on Sunday, maybe I need to stay away from this topic, and I had a few others, but here I am talking about this, and then listening to Lewis, it was just unbelievably powerful. Shame is, um, there's so many levels as far as looking at the fall of man, but being ashamed, and what it does to us, and how we handle it. Um, we know about the disobedience. We know about the temptation. But what does shame do to us as people? It paralyzes us. It paralyzes us, and that's exactly what we do. We try to cover it up. We cloak ourselves in distractions, distractions so that we can distract others from seeing our shame, okay? and distractions so that we can try to forget about it. Okay? If we distract ourselves enough and others enough, maybe this event never happened. Maybe we don't ever have to talk about it. So that's what they did. They cloaked themselves. They covered up their shame because of their disobedience. And as when we are focused on the world, we get stuck in that shame. And I'm going to give you an example from my life. 
um, you know, uh, in my first marriage that failed um, as it was falling apart, um, regardless of faults. When it was falling apart, there was a whole lot of shame. So what did I do? I hid myself. And who did I hide myself from? The people that loved me the most. My parents, my siblings, my friends. I hid myself from all of them. Okay? I tried to cover it up. Okay? They'd call and I wouldn't talk about it. I didn't even talk about what was actually going on uh, when I was separated. Didn't mention it. Uh, thought that if I didn't talk about it, if I cloaked myself and saying, hey, everything's fine, then no one would realize what was going on. Um, not really talk about it with my friends. Because if I cloaked myself and I distracted them, and I distracted myself, then my marriage wasn't really falling apart. Um, but as it went on, I started to separate myself from my family. Stopped returning phone calls, didn't call my, you know, didn't call my parents as much, didn't talk to my siblings, didn't talk to my friends. I stopped going and hanging out, stopped doing things, uh, just kept covering up myself, okay? Just covering over myself because of the shame that I felt because, you know, I mentioned the other night, you know, on the 27th, my parents would have been married 56 years. Uh, while my dad was alive, they got through 55 years. And here I was in a failed marriage. And I was ashamed because of that marriage. Um, and then when we get in that place, we find those darkest corners to go and hide ourselves because we're fearful of what other people are going to think. We're fearful about what society is going to say. We're fearful that we haven't met the standards that society says. And I remember when I moved out, um, you know, I couldn't afford, you know, paying the mortgage and then having a place. Um, and when I moved out, you know, I lived in this place that um, I found out later. A lot of people, apparently they sold crack because people kept coming to the door trying to buy crack. Um, and so they'd be knocking on the door and they'd want their fix. And um, so that just paralyzed me even more because, you know, it, it was an odd place. But there was no, there was no heat. There was a fireplace. And um, uh, speaking of being shamed and embarrassed, I'd turn the oven on for heat because it was getting cold. I didn't have firewood uh, to burn, you know, and I didn't even know, you know, like the grocery store down here sells little packages of firewood. And when I lived up north and I moved down south, I said, who would ever buy that? But apparently I was buying that because I had no food or I had no fuel, so I had to get some wood and I didn't have an ax to chop wood. I didn't know, even know where to buy wood, so, but it was right there outside the grocery store. Um, but then my clothes were all smoky when I went to work <laughs> because I was burning that, um, you know, or I'd turn the oven on. Um, it was, but I felt I deserved that because I was so ashamed of what had happened that I felt that I deserved that. So I continued to cloak myself in all of these things that you know, I said, well, because of not being able to um, sustain my marriage, I deserved, okay, this treatment. Uh, this is what I deserved. And now I really don't want to tell anybody about it because now there's even more shame. And you just keep digging that hole and you keep digging that hole and you just keep covering yourself and you cover yourself. 
And it's, and it's not with fig leaves. You're just covering yourself because you're trying to bury yourself and escape from everybody because you're afraid of what they're going to think. So that shame paralyzes us in our life. And there's so many different types of shame. You know, we can have shame because um, we didn't attain something that the world told us that we needed to attain. And we think about everything is so regimented. You know, when you're this age, you have to do this. You have to, if you, you, you know, uh, you got to graduate high school, and then after high school, you got to do this. And after you do this, there's all these steps. And if you miss a step, all of a sudden, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? If you miss a step, if you don't have, you know, everything line up, all of a sudden, it's like, well, people I graduated with high school with, you know, they're doing this, or, you know, so-and-so's getting married, or they're having a baby, or they got this kind of job, or and we start comparing ourselves and that shame really starts to take over and we start to say oh well you know what I didn't finish school or I didn't finish school in this amount of time and that shame really comes and starts to take hold of our lives and because we're comparing ourselves because the world has told us that it's this but as you're going to find out uh, it's, it's God's race it's not our race but the world has set us up to say, hey, you need to do A, B, C, D, all the way through Z. Okay? And if you don't, there's no D.1, <laughs> according to the world. We know there is. But when we are at D and we fall back to C or we skip E, all of a sudden people start to say, well, what's wrong with them? What happened? And then the person itself, if they're feeling that, that's when they start to hide. That's when they start to run away. And where do they run away from? Love. They run away from love, the people that love them. And they, they, they don't seek the love of God because we all know that God is love. And that's the shame. You know, when we feel we have been treated unfairly, we didn't get a promotion that we deserved, or we didn't get rewards or an award or recognition that we deserve. You know, we feel that we're ashamed because we've been slighted. And in that shame, okay, we try to cover ourselves up and give ourselves our own accolades. <laughs> we try to say, hey, you know what, they missed out on this, so I'm going to tell the world. And now that we have social media and now that we can put anything out there, we get to tell people, hey, you know, you missed me. Guess what I'm going to do? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I go live. Yeah, that's right. You, I, everyone can tune in to me and they can find out, okay, what the real story is. Okay? Because I was slighted. But I was ashamed because they didn't point it out. And if somebody didn't point out and somebody didn't give me the credit, then what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to move on? Because if I got to this point and I didn't get rewarded for it, nobody gave me the accolades that I thought I deserved, then how do I deal with that shame? Okay? And sometimes, okay, while a lot of people cover up, it's like, well, they cover up by presenting their own truth, by presenting their own reality. And it's still cloaking with distraction. It's like, don't look at over here because I didn't get all the things that I thought I deserved. So let me tell you what I deserved. And that's that cloak of distractions that says, oh, well, maybe he's right. Maybe he did deserve that. Or maybe she did deserve that. So as far as um, shame, it's one of those things that um, we run away from love. And I think about, it's interesting because when we left church yesterday, we say this all the time, my wife and I, we have never left this building not feeling good. And it's so powerful 
And whether you were here yesterday or not, just the power, just the presence of God that showed up to help us through, to help us get through, all of us, all the things that we're dealing with, you know? And it's love. And for me, the first time we came here on that, um, she may have attended a fast week before me. We listened to a fast week, but we attended on Easter Sunday at sunrise service. And then we came back for service. Um, it was love the love of family in this place and I think about the things that we love and why do we run away from them and it's because of shame but if it's truly love that brought you there in the first place why wouldn't you go back so with basketball season just finishing when we got into the postseason the topic um, that I gave my players was to play basketball like you love it because we get so distracted by whatever it is that we're chasing that we it's like why did you start playing basketball why did you go out and because you love the game you fell in love with the game but then what you're chasing stats you're chasing victories you're chasing whatever you think success is but it was love that brought you there. So why would love not bring you back? And if you play the game with love, all the rest will take care of itself because God will take care of what you need to get out of that situation. But when we're looking at um, running away from love and the power of love, because we've been gone. <laughs> we've been gone, you know, we, January and February were crazy and we weren't here a lot. But we knew when we walked in, the love was still there. The love never left. And it's good to be back, you know? And things took us away, but we didn't, okay? We didn't go away and become so ashamed and so fearful to not come back to a place where there was so much love to keep pushing and pressing us forward. And for me, knowing that that love is here, knowing no matter what I do, we, all of us, okay? For, for the, all the people that come here, fast week, you are out there. You put yourself out there. You display all the cracks. And pastor talks about humility displaying all the cracks. That's what you do. But we love each other through it. We know that, hey, you know what? Man, you've got that going on. It was so good to come to a church knowing that I wasn't looked down upon because I'd been divorced. It was so good to come to a family and to feel the love because I wanted to grow in God. It was so good to not have to know that, hey, you know what? Um, if I didn't do something, then our leaders were going to love us. When they say they're going to love us, they absolutely love us. The love that my wife and I and our family has felt from all the faces that are in this room and all of the faces that can't be here today, the people online, that amount of love is what gets us through those things when maybe we slide back. Maybe we aren't doing what we need to do. Or maybe we've been apart for a while, okay? And even though we aren't apart from God, being in the house is still part of growing in our relationship with God. And we can't let that shame take us away from that. Um, Lewis mentioned fear. I, I, I don't, does anyone have the Amplified? Uh, 
I don't I don't have access online, but uh, I think that's the one. If you go to Genesis three and eight, I think it was eight. I like the way the Amplified says it. Who, who has it? Oh, good. It's a large print too. <laughs> so I was worried about. <laughs> I was like, uh oh. Uh, um. And, and it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just imagine the Garden of Eden. And even in preparing for this, I tried to look up what uh, artists had drawn as far as the Garden of Eden, try to figure out how Adam and Eve were hiding. Was it a bush? Was it a tree? You know, was it a forest? Was it, you know, was it one little shrub over here? Like, but I just imagine what that garden must have been like in all of its glory and all the things that God had purposed for Adam and Eve. But then, okay, we know about their temptation. We know about their fall. But here comes God strolling, and there's another version that says strolling, and it was a breezy day. And here comes God just strolling through the garden. And you know it's God, and he's going to know. But... He's just walking through the garden, and then, you know, but what do they do? They hurt him, and that's when the fear struck. The false evidence appearing real. God was real, but what did they imagine? They said, God's coming here to, uh-oh, he found out. <laughs> he already knows. We're in trouble. So, man, we covered up, but you know what? That's not enough to cover up. We've got to go find a tree, and we've got to find, hide behind that tree. We've got to make sure that we hide ourselves because of the shame and now the fear. And I can only imagine like God just, just, just a strolling through the garden on a breezy day. Like, that sounds wonderful. And what he had planned, and then all of a sudden he's like, where are they? And then they come, and then they're like, uh-oh. Now it's time. Now it's time for judgment. Now it's time to confess. Now it's time for us, you know, to lay everything out there because he already knows. And they laid it out there, and you know what? Sometimes that's what we need to do. How do we overcome our fear is, you know what? Repent. Love. It was interesting. We were at a graduation celebration, and a pastor usually will start a conversation. Uh, so Minister Lamar was there, and... Uh, you know, I was. It was early on when we were coming to airs, and Mr. Lamar said, "What is the, what's the opposite of love?" And I said, "Hate." And he said, "No, it's fear." And it took me a while to truly understand that. And um, this was something when I talk about fear. Um, there's a there's there's so much great stuff out there, but this is a book. Can I mention, or should I not mention? Okay. Um, no, 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 I don't believe so. Um, but this this book is this guy's popular in the athletic world. His name is uh, John Gordon. He's a motivational guy, and he's talking about success. But this book is called The Carpenter, and it's not called The Carpenter by chance, because of the amount of scripture that is in here 
you know, and it's a motivation. You'll see him on the sideline with Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, and, you know, uh, everybody wants him to come talk to them. But what he's given them is, is Bible. And I've learned a lot of leadership stuff is all Bible. But it says, there's a couple things I want to read. It says, do not fear failing. Do not fear losing. Do not fear that you won't be successful. Do not fear that things won't go your way. Instead, do everything with love, and you will cast out fear. You will flow instead of stress, and you will create more success than you could ever imagine. Now, he wants to put success in there because he's trying to get teams of whatever nature to achieve a certain goal. But success is really our fulfillment, our purpose from God when you break it down and when we love something that's why I told my players I said you need to play like you love the game of basketball don't just show up if you're not going to love it don't walk out of the locker room if you don't love it you need to show up to church like you love it right you need to come here you need to engage with people like you love them because God is love there's another excerpt where he says love the struggle because it makes you appreciate your accomplishments Love challenges because they make you stronger. Love competition because it makes you better. Love negative people because they make you more positive. Love those who have hurt you because they teach you forgiveness. Love fear because it makes you courageous. Um, just some things that I had passed on to my, my team and I thought that, I, that they were, were applicable just because we're talking, I'm talking about fear. You know, and it's overcoming shame and it's overcoming fear and those things that we want to hide from but if we do it, if we know that love's on the other side, if we know that love is waiting for us, and the love that we had experienced and the love that God has for us, then, I mean, the Bible tells us that, you know, you have to, you have to love your brothers like God did. You know, you have to. Otherwise, you can't know God. Otherwise, the connection to God isn't there because that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. The amount of love, okay, that they had. Um, so, as far as shame and fear, um, don't get stuck in it. Don't get stuck in shame because there's love on the other side. And you need to reach out to the people. You need to cry out, as Lewis said. You need to reach out to people because they will love you. The longer you hide, the longer you cover up, the harder it's going to be. And I want to kind of finish with what um, I think is just our way of being able to do to get through this. Because I don't have all the answers to help everybody. I know the shame I've experienced, the fear I've experienced. But if you go to Hebrews 12... Hebrews 12, and I'm reading out of King James now, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This was in my notes, and then Lewis mentioned his daughter's name. Run with patience the race that is set before us. The endurance, the endurance and the patience and the things that we'll have to overcome. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Verse 2 says, despising the shame. And I will probably get this wrong, but I remember a pastor saying that to achieve elevation, Jesus had to go through humiliation. And I'm not saying it right, I'm sure, but to elevate. Okay? To elevate. Okay? We may have to deal with that humiliation. And when we're dealing with shame, when we're dealing with fear, go to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12 and know that if you run your race, not the world's race, not the ABCD, that you have to do all these steps and they all have to be in order. And you, you know what? If, if God wants to take it out of order, then you know what? If he wants to go A-Y-M, then you go A-Y-M because that's what God has planned for you. You can't get to M just by going through the alphabet like everybody else. You've got to run your race, okay? Because it's his race, not the world's race. And running your race means that you are attaching your faith to what God has placed before you. Hebrews 12 is, is just so powerful to me, but uh, I just wanted to end there that if we attach our faith to God, you know, and we run his race, and we think about his humiliation. And we think about what everybody did on his way okay, to, the, to being crucified. Okay. The stripes that he had to take. The carrying of the cross. There's all the things that he endured. Okay. Knowing what was his goal. Was his trophy. So that's my... That's my uh that's what God placed on my heart so